Hey, this is Gerds Handel, and welcome to the Inner Light Project. This show is for anyone who's wanting to lead a happier, healthier, and enlightened life. Create more self-love, inject more joy and abundance into their daily life. Join me for inspiring interviews and spiritual topics so you can shine your inner light. Hello and welcome to a special episode of the Inner Light Project. My name is Gerd Hundle and today I have an enlightening guest with me who is helping mums to be confident in themselves. M. Hass is the founder of a women's online fitness coach and is the CEO of Fit Mompreneur, where she helps mums to feel good about their weight, also help them to feel toned and be confident in themselves so they can be an example for their kids. Em, it's an absolute pleasure having you on the show and thank you for joining us in the space here today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This is exciting. Oh, bless you. Well, I'm just really interested to hear your story about, you know, what your life was like before you became a mumpreneur because we, it was a conversation we had before and it was just really interesting how it shifted your life and the way you do things today. Yeah, so super interesting is that the name of my brand, The Fit Mompreneur, um, is named after my ideal client. So I am not actually a mom yet, and a lot of people get really confused because um, they're like, well, how do you relate to your clients, and like, how do you know what to do, and everything like that, and I just say to them, I'm like, hey, if you want experience or proof, just ask any one of my clients. They all have kids, and they've all been making amazing transformations. So with that being said, I grew up a really chubby, heavy kid. And, you know, my grandparents way of saying, I love you was basically like, (laughs) here's, you know, here's a, um, a tasty cake and here's (laughs) like another, you know, glass of milk and, you know, just constantly like feeding, um, me and my cousins and my sister whenever we'd go over. And so that me associating them or going over there was like, a reward. And, um, you know, I started to see food as a reward constantly and as a way of picking me up after a bad day. Um, you know, when I got a good grade, there was always food there. Um, and it was just a means of us celebrating everything, like even the littlest things growing up. So, I fell into the trap of, you know, obviously I was only six years old and I didn't know anything about nutrition and I was only eating what, you know, and you, you as a kid, you only eat what you're being told or what you know is normal. And Mm -hmm. so I got to a size that was very unhealthy and I will, I will honestly never forget being, going back to school shopping and having to shop in the women's section in like second grade. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And so my mom knew it was unhealthy, like it was obvious. And so after multiple times of being teased because I would get bullied in school and comments would be made, I would be the last one to get picked on like teams and things like that and in games. I came home crying and just said, you know, mom, I don't want to be fat anymore. And she said, well, you know, let's do this together. And she really wanted to lose some weight herself at the time. And so 
every single night after we would eat dinner, we would go on a 45 minute walk, which was like about two or three miles. And we would take the dog and that really started like our mother daughter relationship that we still have today. And all those talks and talking about my feelings and, um, you know, how I thought about food and her teaching me how to just be mindful of eating while still being a kid. Mm. I was able to lose 30 pounds in less than six months. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So obviously like a lot of that was like water weight from not eating the right balance of stuff. Um, you know, in the beginning and that's why it was so quick in the beginning. And then, um, you know, after that, it just really became about portion control and learning when to treat myself. And, you know, I never remembered during that whole time missing out on anything, though. And I think that that was the best part of the whole experience. And so now what I've done and as I've grown up and just fitness has really you know, become a part of my life, my, my mission, I believe is to transform the lives of female entrepreneurs that are moms who tend to put themselves last on the list, like exactly like my mom did. Mm. And, um, you know, learn to put themselves first so that they can carry that ripple effect onto their kids. And, um, yeah, so it's almost like I'm helping twice the amount of people. It was interesting you saying that, um, you're not a mum because I actually I wasn't sure either if you were <laughs> when we had no, our I'm chat we would hear a lot of screaming in the background on the multiple calls we've been on so far and <laughs> you know, um, yeah. we don't even have a dog yet so like I yeah I got a long way ahead of me but I'm only 24 so there's plenty of time and <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I was gonna say well I know that people may say you know obviously you're not a mum but the truth is that we have to almost mother ourselves first and look after ourselves before I think we can like a really good role model for a child. That's so interesting the way that you use that um, as like a verb. Yeah. Um, I totally believe that. And, you know, I still, I still struggle constantly and being an entrepreneur and having our own clients, it's almost like we are, we do have our own kids because we're constantly (laughs) taking care of their needs when they need to hop on a call, um, things like that. And it's very hard, especially early in your business Mm. to really stand your ground and be like, you know what, none of this can actually happen unless I fill my cup up first. Absolutely. Do you know what? You've hit the nail on the head. (laughs) It's so true. Cause that was me. Oh my God. Several years ago, I was, I'd gone from a career in journalism and then walked away. And then suddenly I needed to serve everybody and anyone and didn't say no. But then I would, I was like burnt out I had burnout syndrome I was living off three hours sleep because I felt like I needed to save everyone else when really I needed to save myself first and then help others right yeah it was a big lesson (laughs) and I guess as well the art of um being balanced as well isn't it for sure and I I think that balance is I don't like to use that word because it's a little cliche for me. And I think that it's very overused, especially in the fitness industry. And um, I think the biggest eye opener for me wasn't um, trying to have my clients achieve this perfect balance. 
it was actually getting them to realize that the fitness industry does not equal the health industry. And what we've been programmed to believe as far as losing weight and basically everything we absorb is preying on our insecurities. And it's not a lot of it at the end of the day, like I hate saying this, but isn't concerned with helping you and isn't concerned with your mental health at the end of the day. So it's not their, you know, the product or whatever they're promoting. Those people aren't there when you're emotional and vulnerable and standing in the middle of your kitchen and you're so overwhelmed with the amount of work you have. And so you keep opening the fridge or reaching in the cabinets for the hundredth time as if like it's changed in the past hour. Um, and you know, it's, that all has to do with your health and the way that you move instead of turning to food as the answer and how you are able to turn off your electronics at a certain hour and not work until you pass out. And so it's, I focus on it holistically and I don't like to call myself a fitness coach. I like to basically call myself a health coach because I think that it's all of those components that equal, you know, this quote unquote balance. Mm. It's interesting when you were talking about, I just remembered that you're talking about when you were younger, that you would eat so much. Would you say that we're not from a young age taught how to eat consciously? And that's the reason why a lot of us have these weird food habits or we, we, when we're emotional, we overeat or we just, we use food as a way to make ourselves feel better. Yeah, I definitely think so. Um, Because at the end of the day, food doesn't say no. And so, um, you know, it's the one thing that is really easy to manipulate and control. And same with exercise. So I think that anything that becomes an obsession can be taken to an extreme. But I think what we've we've been conditioned to do is honestly turn off our intuition. Because we're being told constantly what to do, how much to do it, um, how to eat, how much to eat of it. And even though I'm a macro based coach and in the beginning I teach people about, you know, macros and protein, carbs and fats and how to get to your goal. I also am able to transition them into intuitive eating because macros at the end of the day, they're just there to teach you portion control and, Mm -hmm. I think that anything can be taken to an obsession, but I still eat intuitively, even though I follow a macro plan. Like when I go to eat, I'm not on a meal plan. I say to myself, well, what do I really want right now? And then I make it fit. So it's, you know, it's a balance of the two. And I just, I just think at a young age, like without, knowing that balance and just being told like black or white things and calories in versus calories out, it's really hard for us to discern what's going to be right for us and our body. I'm so glad that you said about the intuition thing, because there's so many people like they, like you said, they follow these plans and stuff, but really you've got to intuitive listen. Like for example, in summer, you know, you you love having smoothies, but in winter, all you want is soup. But if you keep having smoothies... (laughs) and you're not listening to your intuition you're actually doing a disservice to your body right oh yeah and um you know people are like well you know if I followed my intuition I intuitively want a pizza every day and 
I'm like, well, you know, the more that you eat of something, the more that you're going to want it. So if you, you know, prioritize eating a very colorful plate and having, you know, at least 20 ounces of protein every meal, you're going to feel full. Your body's going to start craving those things. And I can't even tell you how many times clients have come to me and been like, I've never craved fruit in my life. Like, this is so weird. And, you know, within the first two weeks, I literally have people saying, "Em, like, I literally just passed the donuts in the grocery store that I would have normally put in my cart. And I just really didn't want them. Mm, that's powerful. And, Yeah. And so it's, you can condition your body to do whatever you want it to do. If you want yourself to fail, you know, you're going to find your way to self-sabotage. That's so true. And a lot of us, I guess, because we're in busy, like having busy lives, we're not really consciously choosing what we're eating. We're just trying to go for what the quickest thing we can have. So we don't have to spend so much time in the kitchen. For sure. Hmm. So my dear, you know, you're now obviously a health coach. So how are you helping women to live more with confidence? So I do um, a lot of one-on-one coaching as far as I get on the phone with my clients and I really dig deep as far as the limiting beliefs that have held them back this far. So mm-hmm. normally I do an enrollment call, which I'm sure you're familiar with, yeah. and I really just see where they're at. And a lot of people walk into that call thinking that the entire time I'm going to be talking about their training and their nutrition. I hardly touch on that because the first thing I usually find out is that when I'm asking them these questions, they're going, oh, well, I used to be like this and, you know, I used to be able to weigh that much and work out six days a week and I just don't know what happened. And I'm constantly hearing them talking in the past and referring to themselves as what they used to be and what they used to have. And so my my job on that call is really figuring out, and as I dig deeper, I really see that it's either somebody in their life that's caused them to think that they can't get past this point in their life, they can't do things on their own, um, you know, people that have had a perfectionist mother or father that always did everything for them. Now that they're on their own, they constantly are questioning every decision that they make. Mm. So I figure out things like that. And when we, when we come together, we really realize what's going on, what's really going on that's beyond the food and working out. Um, When they start the program, I really dig deep and have them do different exercises. I have some meditations I do with them um, on people from their past that have held them back and how to let them go. Um, And usually there's an emotional weight that's being taken off their shoulders that they didn't even realize what's been, that has been honestly holding them back from losing the physical weight. Mm, I can absolutely relate with that because um, even with my own mother, like, so my mom's always been a very petite lady from like probably the, since the moment I was born. (laughs) And um, as I got older, she started putting a lot of weight. And then my grandma passed away a few years back, and she really lost herself. And so recently, um, there was some there was a situation that happened, and it was all to do with emotion. And um, literally within a few weeks, she lost the whole weight, she's now back to her weight to what she was like, 
from when I was born. <laughs> it's a bit insane. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and it was all to do with some small trigger that had happened many years ago that was holding her back and the thought processes. And once we kind of noticed where it came from, she just went for it. She shifted her mindset, her diet, her fitness regime, and just it just went within a few weeks. It was just so powerful to see that, you know what, a lot of the time it's not actually to do with the weight. It's, it's the thoughts that we have or some unconditioning thought that we've had from from some situation that happened in our life. Yeah, and it's, it's crazy to find out and almost piece together um, people that usually have a lot of spending problems, like they tend to online shop all the time, they're very frivolous with money, nothing's ever enough, and they have this lack mentality, they're usually emotional and binge eaters as well. Wow. So it's been a combination of me doing my own mindset work, obviously, having a coach myself, um, and just really realizing multiple things that have come up in my life that mm. relate to others and, you know, might be holding them back as well when they first approach me and apply for the program. Perfect. That's just, yeah, I can just see how, like, the mind the body the spirit and everything all links and like what you're doing is so powerful so thank you for sharing that and mm -hmm. um, so my day I wanted to talk more about something that we kind of had a chat behind the scenes about and it was um how you overcame your eating disorder and um, through fitness yeah so um a little bit of a backstory I um walking into high school at 16 my last name was already known because my sister graduated ninth in her class. She's like three years older than me um, or four years older than me. And she was very smart. And I was like the art freak. Like I was so <laughs> creative. You couldn't get me to read anything like on my own. And I was just always in the art room whenever I could and teachers were walking up to me and going, oh, you're, Megan, you're um, Megan's sister. Like, you, you know, you're probably going to be great. Like, you're probably going to do really well in this class. Like, you know, she was my greatest student. And, like, oh, my God. And it was just, like, everywhere I went, people were talking about her when they first met me. And I just, like, didn't have an identity. And it seemed like the identity I was trying to make was just never good enough. And so... I immediately put a lot of pressure on myself. And so what I would do is, you know, I would try to be the most perfect student and like honor student and really push myself and was very hard on myself. And I figured out that I could do it in other ways. And so I knew the one thing that I could control that no one could take away from me was my weight and what I looked like. And up until that point, my, I had always been identified and judged by, you know, how much I weighed. I was constantly being teased, you know, when I was younger and then obviously going through puberty after that initial weight loss, my body had changed a lot. I developed really early. Um, I got a lot of attention from older boys in school and things like that. So I was always identifying myself with my body and how worthy or not worthy I was. My sister, on the other hand, was very tall and lanky and had a growth spurt and could eat whatever she wanted and was like very healthy naturally. And I always, after that point, had to struggle with my weight. 
And so I thought, well, you know, I'm going to actually, like, I'm going to try to get thinner than she is and I'm going to do it on my own and I'm not going to like tell anyone about it. I'm just going to like shock everyone. And my motivation was always like proving myself to other people that at the end of the day, like we're only worried about themselves. Like it's, it's crazy this illusion that we put in our heads that we really think that other people care about our lives that much. (laughs) Um, (laughs) but You know, I convinced myself otherwise, and I really just slowly started cutting calories, and then I started cutting full meals, Mm -hmm. and, you know, within two months of doing this, you know, I got addicted to this hollow feeling in my stomach, and it was just feeling empty, Mm -hmm. and I can never describe that other than hollow and empty. Like I can never describe that feeling. It was euphoric. It was like I could do anything. Food wasn't dragging me down. It wasn't holding me back. And I felt like I was better than everyone else. Like when I would go to parties or social events, you know, of course I'd always say, oh, I already ate and I'd be downing Diet Cokes to try to fill me up. I would chew like a whole pack of gum in a day. Um, I would do all of these things to try to trick my body into being full, like always drinking coffee, always just trying to fill myself up with like zero calorie things. Um, And I just felt like I had a secret that no one else knew and I just loved it and it gave me confidence. And, um, you know, then I'd have days where I was super hard on myself and Um, you know, that I would start picking at myself and go even more harder and do more cardio. And so at my lowest, which was I started it in April, started dieting and counting calories and cutting out meals and starving myself in April. And my worst was that August. And I had gotten down from I was one 130, I would say 35 pounds, and I got down to 85 pounds. And, um, yeah, so my heart rate was 35 beats per minute and my hair was falling out. I had no cycle. Um, and it had taken me almost two years to get it back after that. And, um, I really like, I really was convinced that I could do this on my own because I had it in my head at this point that I would rather be, I'd rather be skinny than, you know, have children or, you know, have a normal life. And that it was that important to me. I lost all my friends. They were tired of saying like, you know, we're, you know, you're good the way that you are. You don't need to lose weight. And they just stopped hanging out with me. And so I really only had this as like my companion counting numbers from the time I woke up to when I went to bed And the doctors and my parents finally looked me in the face, like scared and worried out of their mind and just said, you know, you're not going to be able to go to school in New York and get into fashion, you know, like you want to, if, um, you don't take care of yourself and, you know, you are going to die from this. Like your body will shut down. You're at a really unhealthy weight and they didn't know what to do. It was either them sending me away because they didn't think I could do it on my own or them just, you know, trusting me that if I worked with a nutritionist that I could slowly get better. And so 
my mom to this day says that like my dad told her to send me away and everyone was telling her to put me in recovery. Um, and I'd graduate with the class behind me. And she said, for whatever reason, I just believed you that you would get better and that you would do it on your own. And so I just went through the motions in the beginning and I would say that I was kind of just faking it to get people off my back in the beginning because I still, I would say that even though I put on weight and was physically getting better, the mental side of recovery didn't come for probably another two years. Wow. 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 I'm just blown away by what, what you're saying and just how, like, how we, how we can take one situation so extreme, right? And I can, right. I, I can relate with you in the sense, but mine was slightly different. I'd, so I'd always been very slim from a young age. My parents both have fast metabolisms. And so when I went to uni, I put on some weight. It wasn't even that much, but it was because I wasn't used to it and my jeans wouldn't fit anymore. So I had this sudden obsession with losing weight and it got so bad. Um, I'd be working in the gym or running every day and it got to a point where I was only eating lettuce. And um, my parents were really concerned. And I remember looking back then, like just now as we're talking, and just, it was because I wasn't dealing with my internal issues. And the only thing I can control at that time was food. And like yourself, my hair fell out, like loads of things didn't ha like happened. But really, what I learned over the years is that if we have no love of self, we can go to the extreme side, right? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, wow. Sorry, just when you were talking about your story, it just took me back then. <laughs> um, oh, I like, love when that happens when I talk to people because wow. even I've, I've talked to people that are ex-alcoholics and when I tell my story, there's something that comes up for them. Mm. It just shows me how far I've come because like, I love food now. I love my weight. I love my body. I don't, like I haven't got an obsession with it anymore. But I think back then there was a lot of, things that I hadn't dealt with internally. And the only thing that at that point I could control was the food. Um, but it, it was so bad. Like I think I used to eat just chocolate bars and I think I was the same coffee and stuff, but it, was, it wasn't helping me. It was making me more tired and depleted and almost like not here, if you know what I mean. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because it was, it's, it's almost like numbing. Mm. And, um, you know, your outside is a direct reflection of what's going on inside. And so you healthy now and having a happy relationship with food, that all has to do with you being at this weight that you enjoy and you like and you're comfortable with. And, um, yeah, so me starving myself and depriving myself, I was literally telling the world, I know I'm not worthy of food. Mm. And... I started to convince myself as well that I was an exception to everybody else and that I wasn't normal, so I didn't deserve food. Wow. Wow. So what was the turning point for you to say, like, enough is enough and, like, move forward and start eating healthily? Oh, my God. This is, like, this is the <laughs> funniest, like, craziest, most random, probably recovery story ever. But <laughs> I, um, I had a best guy friend at the time and 
I secretly was like head over heels for him and we were friends for like two or three years and we were inseparable. Like we always hung out and, um, he was two years older than me. So, um, he knew that I was going through a lot and he pretty, he pretty much gave me a lot of distance and space that summer that it was the worst. And he was terrified to be around me. And he, I mean, people did not recognize me because I was so tiny and I looked like an alien and, um, I had no curves, no boobs, nothing. So when spring after that August came into my sophomore year, um, I was starting to physically get better and he was like, I'm really proud of you. Like you're putting in the work, um, you know, you look really good. And I was still at an unhealthy weight and I had a long ways to go, but he knew I was going through a lot. And I don't know if this is why he asked me or he just honestly needed a date, but he said, you know, I really want to take you to my prom because it was his senior <laughs> year. Um, and he went to another school. He went to like the rival high school and we had just met through mutual friends. And I was like, so excited. I told everyone, um, I, it was like, I literally thought like looking back on it, he was going to propose. Like, I'm just like, <laughs> I'm like really what goes on in our minds at that age. But, um, <laughs> Anyway, I was trying on dresses for this prom, and I noticed that all of my ribs were showing. My arms just looked like sticks. I I looked like a boy, like, from the neck down. Like, I was just, like, like my body type was just, you know, it was, it was not a girl at all. I did not feel like my age. And um, I said to my friend who was with me, I said, you know what, like, my, I'm going to get this dress. And even though it doesn't fit me right now, my goal is to fit into it by the time, you know, the spring comes or May comes. And it was about like, I would say January when he asked me or February and we had a while to go to the dance. And my goal was to fit in it by the time prom came. And so, um, I did and we took pictures and I, I looked great. I looked like a different person. I looked healthy. Um, and that was my motivation. I hung it up in my room. I look at it all the time. And as I made progress, I didn't look at the scale. I would just keep trying on the dress. Wow. I love that story. <laughs> I love yeah. it. It's so beautiful because it, it just shows that Sometimes we just need a different situation and a different outcome to see things in a different way. Mm-hmm. Mm. And so did you fit in the dress? <laughs> oh, yeah, it was it was great. I looked like a completely different person, and um, he, was, he was blown away. And um, my mom was really happy, and she knew what I was doing. And she said, hey, like, if that's what works. But she said, you know, when prom's over, though, you still have to, um, you know, maintain that and keep up with it. And so, um, I would say that after that, the mindset thing was just very hard to maintain because, you know, where the mind goes, the body follows. And so I knew that if I fell back into feeling anxious or overwhelmed, that that was always my fallback was trying to control my calories and working out. So I needed to have new outlets for myself going forward. So 
this is why it's so important, guys, that you really love and respect yourself. And also the, having that mind, body and spirit and, and soul balance because it, it does really play a massive part in everything, isn't it, really, Em? Yeah, now it's like I, I know that, that it's still always going to be my go-to subconsciously. I feel like when I'm stressed and overwhelmed, I immediately start thinking of, you know, I could weigh like five pounds less or, um, you know, like I don't have makeup on right now. Like anything that doesn't have, like has to do with my appearance. I feel like I always fall back on that as a means of feeling like I'm still in control somehow when everything else seems like it's out of control going on around me, if that makes sense. Yeah. I, I get what you mean. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, um, oh, wow. We are coming towards the end of the show. That's gone so quick. <laughs> Didn't even realise. Um, so I've got a few more questions left for you. Um, my first question is, what are your five top tips for, for someone who is starting in the personal development world, but they don't really know where to go? Personal development. Um, I had no idea what personal development was, literally. <laughs> and as soon as I got into it, though, I was addicted. My first taste of personal development was Gabby Bernstein. Mm. Um, I read her book, May Cause Miracles. And, um, it changed my life completely. So I actually always recommend that book to, um, my clients, especially people that have trouble with body confidence or getting over a breakup, um, anything that has to do with their identity being related to something external. Um, I always recommend that book that's number one. So I would literally order that. I'm not saying that it's, you know, it's the be all and end all and it's the only book, but it works for me and it's worked for my clients. And, um, yeah, so that would be my first tip. Um, second thing would be to try to go to an in-person event. I think that, um, books and podcasts are amazing, but having that one-on-one -on -one connection where you feel like you're making a breakthrough is so powerful and something I can't even describe. Um, so whether it's Tony Robbins, um, whether it's you going to a business coach's live event and realizing, you know, what you should do with your career path, which is what happened to me. Um, we did all things self-development in that workshop. They had exercises set up for us. So that was completely life-changing. Um, number three is I think that you should do something that has to do with self-development a little bit every day. So if that's working out for you, um, if that's trying to eat a little bit better than you have, because, and this has nothing to do with weight but you know that you've been feeling energetically pulled down by what you've been eating or how you've been not moving, not getting in a lot of steps. So if you want to just start with a long walk, incorporating that once a week, moving up to twice a week, three days a week, whatever works with your schedule, a yoga class, something that is going to, you know, improve your body. Um, fourth tip is, 
another way to incorporate this, if you're a busy person that doesn't have time to go to events, doesn't have time to read, I've heard it all. Um, podcasts are an amazing on-the-go experience. You are, guys are obviously getting a lot out of this podcast because she is amazing. Oh. Um, but you can invest in, you know, Audible even or any kind of audio self-development experience. Um, if you're an entrepreneur, obviously podcasts like Tim Ferriss, Lewis Howes, Gary Vee are my favorites. Um, it's just, it's whatever works for you. There's plenty out there. You literally don't have an excuse. Mm -hmm. Um, but podcasts have changed my life. And the fifth thing is, um, I want you to look at everything else going on in your life. How are your relationships? Um, how is your sleep? How is, you know, your intimacy maybe in your relationships, your friendships, things like that. Um, you know, it's been a real eye opener for me this past month. I've been so into my business that I can feel where everything else in my life is kind of going out of balance. And when this happens for me, what I like to do is just do a gut check. And, you know, if I don't feel right about my family relationships, that probably means that I should pay more attention to them. Mm. Um, if I feel like something's missing in my friendships, then I need to focus a little bit more on that. And, you know, I think that there's never going to be a perfect balance of it all. But even just scheduling in 20 minutes of, you know, you and your hubby going on a walk in the morning, um, you know, you going on a walk with your kids like I did with my mom so long ago, or having a no screens time for an hour, um, something that is going to give you that balance that doesn't have to do with your business or productivity, I think is amazing and is a game changer for me. Wow. Thank you for sharing those five top tips because yeah, I, I agree with all of them. They all have like, even the little things that we do in those, in the, in the things that you've mentioned will make massive shifts. Even if mm -hmm. you just listen to one podcast a day or go for a walk, you'll start to see things in such a different light because you're, you're suddenly becoming more present and just yeah. being, trusting your intuition and being more awakened than ever before. And I think if we just keep focusing on the things that we know as, as normal or comfortable, then we don't really ever grow. But when we listen to things or we go and try different things, we actually come out of our comfort zone and actually realize what we needed to conquer. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I totally agree. I, I just think, you know, people don't have an excuse anymore. I don't know yeah. how to say that in a nice way, but you know, I can understand not having, not being able to commit to an event or reading an entire book maybe, um, and things taking longer for different people. But I mean, audible and podcasts it's like you can take it anywhere you can listen to it at work mindlessly you're still absorbing that content and that information so guys keep listening to her she's incredible so oh bless you <laughs> i'll take that <laughs> um my dear what are you most grateful for i'm actually most grateful for all of all of the darkness that's happened in my life and all the things that I thought at the time were setbacks. I think that literally everything 
that has happened thus far, um, being teased at a young age, having that experience with my mom, that anorexia experience, um, going through years of yo-yo dieting and finally finding myself in fitness and then helping others, it all happened in the order that it should. And I'm really grateful for that. And I'm grateful to be able to see that it happened for a reason so I can experience the light right now. Mm, I love that. And what shines your inner light? Helping others. Like I can't even, I like that's the number one thing is just that lights me up all the time. Anytime I share a tip, I'm on social media I see the ripple effect it has onto my client's family, um, the energy level, just them being overall happier. That, like, I can't even replace that feeling. It's why I left my corporate job and why I do what I do. So, um, yeah, helping others. Well, thank you, Em, for being on the show. And thank you for just sharing your story and shining your light and helping so many women to just be their beautiful and confident selves. We need more people like you in the world. Oh, thank you so much. This was great. Oh, bless you. Wow, what a deep interview. I have not had one of those in a very long time. Thank you, Em, for just sharing your knowledge and sharing what you've been through because it's so important that others can get the support and advice in healing themselves and also feeling the confident in their own skin. Unfortunately, that's the end of the show. Before I leave, I want to leave you with this quote. By being yourself, you put something wonderful in the world that was not there before. For more information about the show, visit www.girdshandle.com. Want to feel happier, healthier, energised and lit? I invite you to my VIP life coaching programme, where I've helped hundreds of women to quit self-sacrifice, reclaim their inner light, have joy and pure bliss in 60 days or less. As an expert enlightenment, I invite you to rise up and speak your truth so you can live the life as the divine created you as, which is joy, abundance, freedom, inner peace. If this resonates with you, I invite you to connect with me at www.girdshandle.com. And remember, stay happy, stay healthy, stay lit. lit.